Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Today's educators are the Tampa Bay-based trio La Lucha. That's Mark Feynman, John O'Leary, and Alejandro Arenas, and their topic is how to be a band. Remember, participants are muted upon entry and during a masterclass, we appreciate your cooperation to remain muted for the courtesy of others. If you have a specific question, please feel free to use the chat feature in the toolbar to ask a question and the educators will try to reserve some time to answer questions. We hope you enjoy today's sessions. Uh, more upcoming free sessions will be posted at www.clearorderjazz.com education. Your feedback and any future session topic suggestions are welcome. So please email us at info at clearorderjazz.com. Also, be sure to check out the studio archive of past video sessions at clearwaterjazz.com's education and outreach section, brought to you by Blue Water Wealth Management at Stewart Partners and Duke Energy, as well as our Young Line podcast available wherever you stream. And that's brought to you by our friends at Marine Max Clearwater. And you can search Young Lines Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. So, uh, of course, La Lucha is no no uh, visitor or <laughs> stranger to Clearwater Jazz. Um, and we, we thank you guys for being here today. And just a little bit about La Lucha, if you've never heard of them. La Lucha is a Tampa Bay-based trio. Their music ventures into the wide variety of music styles and offers a fun mix of genres under the jazz umbrella. They have received countless accolades and have extensive national and international performance experience, including several plays at the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Music Festival. So you can visit www.laluchamusic.com for more information about the band, getting in touch with them, and about their new albums. This is their third appearance as the group on CJH. Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Guys, welcome back. Stage is all yours. Thank, thank you, you so much, Michael. And, uh, a really quick shout out and thank you to the Clearwater Jazz Education Outreach and Young Lions. We love everything that they're doing. It's really an honor to be back here. Um, really quick, uh, we were introduced, but I want to introduce us, each of us again, with our instruments. So anything we relate to the instrument that we're playing, you know. Um, I'll start. I am Mark Feynman, and I uh, primarily play the drums in La Lucha. I am Alejandro Arenas, and I play, primarily play the bass. <laughs> the two bass. I'm John O'Leary, and I play piano and keyboards. I, we say primarily because we've done albums where we're playing extensions of, you know, electronic instruments. Uh, on this last record, we all uh, sang a little bit. There were hand claps and we've kind of crossed over. And uh, so in general, it's not about uh, I play this instrument in this band, but it's become what the overall sound and what is, is La Lucha. So uh really quick uh i think we can start off by kind of saying la lucha how we got started very very quickly and um and just kind of a brief history and then we'll dive into some key la lucha topics um so i think we figured out that we've 
been playing together for about 15 years. We, we, the first time we ever ended up in a room together was in 2005. Um, the first album came out 11 years ago, which is the first time we put La Lucha on an album and started playing live shows. So in brief, um, there is some history before all of us met, having known some people in common, including Alejandro's wife, Lindsay, who I met in high school. Uh, the three of us, in short, met at the University of South Florida in Tampa, and we ended up in the same combo together, the same room together. Uh, we kind of crossed paths, you know, like you would at any music school, and we played with a lot of different uh, people. And something happened when the three of us ended up in the room together and we started playing. And we always say that it was like an immediate zing. It was this like feeling of like, oh, this kind of feels right. And I hope the guys agree because we've talked about it. And sure. after that, <laughs> after that combo, I was like, hey, I have to go to math class. And Alondra was like, no, you should stay and keep playing. And then we played music that night till late in the night. And then we did the same thing next day, the next day. And then uh, I eventually failed my math class and we would show up early and play. And we realized over this period of time, we had collected not only the songs that we you know, were required to learn, but we collected a, um, of songs that we wanted to play together, whether it was songs from the Great American Songbook or songs that we called not standards, which were like FM radio pop songs. We just were exploring music together. And we said, hey, we should document this and we should probably come up with a name. And that's how we ended up with La Lucha. So that's the short version. And, and I think something that's worth mentioning regarding that is that um, we all, uh, you know, you may have mentioned it, um, but we all come from different cultures. You know, we all uh, grew up, I grew up in Colombia, John is from Mexico and Marcus, the exotic one, as we always say, from Clearwater. And um, that is that <laughs> that is very important for this particular case, uh, for this particular class or master class or whatever we're calling this, because um, it, it it is it. it not only are we three different individuals, but we're also from three different cultures. And there's a lot of kind of hurdles that we've had to get over in order to be able to stay together as a band for 15 years. Um, yeah. And something that's worth noting is precisely that, that we are kind of a product of a jazz school, if you will, a music school, but we are also, you know, we, we, Mark and I actually grew up playing uh, in rock bands. So we were of the mindset of being in one room for eight hours, playing the same song until it sounded right and the or yeah. the neighbors kicked us out. Uh, whereas John was actually classically trained for, from uh, when he was a, a wee child and um, he played piano. We, we always joked that John was locked in a room until he was 15 listening only to tuba music. He was actually a tuba major when we met him. Um, so we always say that because our, our taste in music was so different. Like we had jazz in common, but, but we, we were all over the place. So that kind of goes along with the idea of, and I don't know if you, if you want to stay, start kind of like about the concept of the sound, what is La Lucha and how did we get to our sound first and foremost? 
Um, yeah, I think we can start there, and I think we can kind of end there as well. So we can kind of bookend that a little bit. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it, it it started kind of like this improvisation. Um, yeah. yeah. So a, a lot of it, you know, we when we first started playing together, Mark mentioned we we started playing a lot of standards because it was it was the music that we had in common, and part of a part of part of the important thing. Um, Mark, you know, like like Mark described, we had a connection immediately, and not only musically but personally. So that was extremely helpful because we didn't really, you know, it was one of those things like, oh, I met this drummer that's really good and I really have this connection musically, but I don't like him as a person. That wasn't the case at all. So we got very lucky in that sense um, because you run into a lot of musicians that are great, but some of them are not compatible in terms of personalities. So mm -hmm. that's something to yeah. keep in mind. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't make it work, you know. Another thing that's unique that I think is worth mentioning is that there's not a lot of bands within jazz, you know. If you see most of the most of the groups that you find are the so-and-so trio, you know, the Brad Meldau trio, mm -hmm. or you know, you know, or there's you know, like Chick Corea and Return to Forever, or stuff yeah. like that. You know, there, there there has always been kind of like a leader. And, and um, kind of a, a band, a project name, if you will. Um, yeah. And we all have different projects that we, that, we, that, we are, that we participate on. We're active, very active in that. And we, we can talk about it a little bit. But I think part of the important thing about being in a band is agreeing on a concept. You, know, you always hear that bands break up because of creative differences. And we've had creative differences, absolutely. You know, but because our personalities because we know that it is the sum of the parts that make this thing that's bigger than ourselves we understand that it is there those things are what be, us being able to <clears throat> compromise is yeah really important to make this happen so you know for example mark and i always had a very kind of unified view of, of of arrangements we were very good at always creating stuff on the spot and john was always a little bit thinking from a different perspective because of those differences that we grew up with musically speaking so sometimes you know mark and i would say hey john try to do this instead and then sometimes it was the opposite way where we would hear, hear john and instead of pushing him to do what we thought we're like oh you know that actually works really well let's try that you know, and that's how we rehearse a lot. We actually, when we're uh, arranging stuff uh, together. Um, yeah, maybe this is a good time to jump in and tell the story of the Columbia, because this was a, a really key moment of us as a band and that we each took a leadership role. We each had to, you know, add something creative. There was a project that we all needed to make happen. So, and it had to happen very quickly, which means there needed to be really high form of communication and creative thinking um, yeah, on and many that, levels. That was, a, yeah, that was, and the story, the quick version of the story is that I got a call, so a, a professor at the school, Jack Wilkins, recommended us uh, for a gig. Uh, this was honoring the Columbia restaurant. I think they were turning 100 years old or something. Like that. They yeah. were honoring the Gone Smart family. And, um, I got a call and the lady on the phone said, we're looking for a flamenco jazz band. I said, you, you got us, you know, like we can do that. 
And they're, and they're like, well, you know, we're also looking at somebody that can play like maybe like some strolling guitar for like an hour before in the lobby. You know, I'm like, you know what? I have this great pianist that can do it. You know, he you know, he's he's from Mexico. He has that flavor. It's like, oh, great. Do you guys have a demo? We're like, yes, I can get you one. This was on a Friday. I can get you one by Monday. So and we did not. Phone. We had nothing. We've never we played Flamenco so, before in yeah. our life. So I call Mark and John and I said, guys, I got us a gig. That's the good news. The bad news, though, it's a flamenco jazz gig and we, we need to make this happen. So in any yeah. case, we actually delegated. So each yeah. one of us did an arrangement. One tune, yeah. One tune. And then on Sunday, we got together at my house. I had some recording equipment. We recorded it. We brought the demo. They liked us. We got the gig. And that opened up the possibility of us to really kind of say like, ooh, okay, we, we, we fooled them. We can do it again. And we really started taking a lot of different gigs because of that. And, and I think we got, because of doing a lot of things like that, we ended up at a point where we kind of were covering a lot of ground stylistically, but we were a little bit lost as to what we particularly wanted to do. And I don't think it was until our, was this our for, a third album, Standard Not Standards? Was Standards that... Not Standards, yeah. yeah. We, we found, that was our, our, our um, middle, <laughs> our, our midlife crisis, uh, our 10-year crisis, where we said, what are we going to do? We have this album, we did a Kickstarter um, to fund this album, which we talked about on our last masterclass and more in depth. But we found this this situation where we said, what do we do? You know, and I've always been one like we, we've always kind of bring the questions and we always like to play a devil's advocate. You know, yeah. I think that's important to do um, to say, you know, because we, we can get we can get very comfortable with a specific style or a specific thing that we have. But it's very important for somebody to be like, hey, guys, let's think about it from this perspective. You know, it's we have the advantage that you know, there's three of us, but, you know, we're able to each stand on one corner of the room and say, and look at all those angles, um, because we don't really have a de facto leader. Um, and we can talk a little bit about leadership because that's kind of how we yeah. navigated to finding that sound. But <clears throat> anyway, just to finish the story of standard no standards, that's the point where we said, you know what, let's do what we do. Let's just be happy with what we do. Let's, let's do it more convincingly instead of treating it like, okay, we have to pretend to be a flamenco jazz band for this gig. Let's just really dig into that. And yes. if, if we go from a straight ahead tune to a funk tune on yeah. the next thing, that's what we do. You yes. And, and I will say up until that point, I think we were having, I, I mean, I, I know I personally was having this crisis of, we learned to communicate with each other, but I'm not sure if we knew how to communicate to our audience. And we were set, we were like trying to tell them, hey, we're a jazz band, but we also do this kind of like crossover thing. And we play Britney Spears, but you know, like it, what is Britney Spears? I think once I said like, we didn't take her seriously. And then like, we got booed. And I was like, uh-oh, yes. you know, okay. So that was a ch that turning point on what we can say and not say and what I learned. But then it was Benoit Glazer, who runs the Timoko Arts White House in Orlando, who took us aside 
uh, after our show and just nicely said, let the music speak to them. You do not need to speak for your music. Mm-hmm. If you play a song the way it's played or it's not played, don't say anything. So just play your music. Mm-hmm. And he gave us an idea of playing shows without speaking about what we are or even saying what La Lucha means. We used to just give all of the facts all of the time. And I, I think that kind of went back to this idea of like, what is our identity? But also we learned a lot in jazz school, which was let's talk about what it is that we're playing. Um, and so I think it was standards, not standards, where we learned to just trust this is this is us. This is the transparent La Lucha. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, and I, that's a very important thing when, when you're developing a concept to really, I mean, that's that's a very important thing that Mark said in terms of just letting your music speak. Because a lot of times we found ourselves in that situation where we said like, okay, this is a group of people, this, you know, there's this age group here. What can we play for them? So we noticed that playing it safe would satisfy certain part of it, but we were definitely not digging into what we really wanted to dig in. You know, we're, we're a product of, of a different generation. So, you know, for us, it was extremely important to be ourselves playing the music that we love. So, you know, we can talk a little bit about uh, the kind of dynamic of, of one of the questions. I know we had a, a few questions. And um, so do you want to... Here, do you want to ask? Yeah. You're good at asking well, we, questions. Do you, ask, yeah, let's, you want to ask John a question? <laughs> yeah, I want to ask John a question. Um, <clears throat> you know what? Since we're talking to people that may be uh, musicians, and this is something that came up, I think when we were young, we were really eager to take everything and anything. That, that story isn't yeah. a good example. So when do we decide what projects and gigs to take or not to take as a band a how do we you know what what's what are the key factors to taking a gig or a project yeah. there are several things to think about uh there's first about how much time it would take to make this project happen and if we have that time uh you know when we were younger we didn't have families we were um mark and i were single uh at least at first and um and none of us had babies you know and so once we got married and had kids that changes the dynamic because now our responsibility is also to our family as well and so so now time is one thing also we have to since we have a family we have an obligation to provide uh food and shelter for them so that's another responsibility you know given the time constraints that we have is you know how is this something that we can afford to spend our time on um, and then also we have a, a very simple litmus test for the kind of projects that we like does it make you go hell yeah or are you just like yeah that's okay yeah and Your work yeah is it is it fun or is it work yeah and when you go when you say hey you know how would you like guys like to do uh synth 
uh, 80s version, La Lucha version of 80s song. And we all went, hell yeah, that sounds awesome. And then, so then that's how that project was born. It was just a question. That kind of was, that would be fun. And Mm -hmm. immediately we were all like, yes, I have ideas for arrangements. We could do this song and that song. And soon it became like, okay, we have too many ideas. Now we have to pick which ones we like better for now. Yes. What to do later. I'll jump in here by saying that we are really good about um, at some point of the year, usually the beginning of the year or the fall, we get together and have uh, we have regular meetings, but we have a big La Lucha meeting where we really just check in with our goals. We used to create three to five year goals. I think it started with three and then it became five things that we wanted to do. And goal making is really great for a band. Um, and one of yes. those part of those goals includes projects, project ideas. And we each come up with, you know, five to seven ideas and we're left with, you know, 15 to 20 projects that we would like to do. And we think, okay, well, realistically, how many of these could we do within a year? How many could we do within three years? How could we make it happen? You know, what's the cost of these? What's the time value for each of these? Is there a growth value for this? You know, so we we, we kind of run it through the gamut of, um, of all of these projects. And then within the, the projects of La Lucha, we're offered a lot of work. And... Uh, and that's in addition to any steady gigs that we have. That's also in addition to any steady gigs that John or Alejandro have, and that they're also involved in projects. Uh, and so we just have to balance um, between, you know, what kind of what comes first or what can we make happen. And John mentioned the family thing. And, you know, we used to rehearse a ton, a lot, a lot, a lot. And now it's scheduling rehearsals and making sure that we uh, find time for each other to rehearse. But what I will say is there are many things that we did early on in our band career that set us up for success in performance now. So we can perform, we can practice less. You know, we like to practice more, but we, we practice less, but we're able to perform at a higher level. My question to Alejandro is yeah. why is that the case? Why are we able to perform at a higher level now because we are practicing less? We put in our uh, 10,000 hours as a band. Um, <laughs> we, we pretty much did. I mean, we, we, really, we really just played. Um, so part of it, part of it has been, you, we, you know, being honest, we, we, we're not in New York, right? So we are in an area that has a really, really nice and really, <laughs> really rich um, artistic tradition and very nice artistic community. But it's not that overwhelming thing where you can go, you can go next door and see, you know, living jazz legends in every corner. Here you hear, you see some live, you know, some living jazz legends, but you know, most you know. New York is kind of the center of used to be at least the epicenter of jazz and and a lot of music really. So part of part of that aspect is the motivation. You go out and and see people play and you get motivated to practice more or 
simply, you know, you, you have 50 guys that can take your gig. <laughs> if you're not cutting it, you have a lot of people that can take your gig and we'll probably do it cheaper too. Uh, so it's a cutthroat environment. It can be a cutthroat environment. So we were very, very lucky that we kind of had the opportunity to have a little bit more growth time without the, the, the pressure of, of a cutthroat environment uh, as strong as New York. But what we were missing a lot of the times was that constant um, st stimulus of yeah. being able to go out and see this this incredible music every night of the week or or just hanging out with a with a mentor and we have great mentors here which we were very lucky to 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 have um so a lot of that has to do with us keeping each other motivated so we like to share yeah. music a lot we like to say like hey check this out check this out check this out um so there's there's kind of some levels to that not only recommending music for each other but also you know this is it's kind of having a little bit of a business mentality in terms of how we treat the band. We're friends, yeah. but it is also a partnership. It's a business partnership. We, we're literally, yeah. you know, we're literally a, a, an LLC actually. And, but each member has to pull their weight. So we kind of have to keep each other, hold each other accountable. I mean, we're, we, we're very trusting of each other, but if we are at a point where somebody is not, not really pushing to the level of quality that we want to be playing. You know, we're, we're lucky because we're, we're very, you know, as musicians, we're very self-critical. Uh, but we also help each other out. You know, for most of the time, what we tell each other is, is in a positive way. Like, man, you sound great. Oh, you've been, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, it, positive. Um, uh, reinforcement. Reinforcement, thank you. I'm forgetting all my words. But... Um, and, and that's kind of, that's one of the great things. So also delegating, you know, that, that thing where, where sometimes like John will be the musical director for a certain gig. And yeah. so what that means in terms of having gotten better at that is precisely that. It's that, okay, one person has this idea of what we should do and they, we know how to communicate. We know that John's going to tell us everything that we need to know in order to be able to make the gig as efficient as possible. So it's really good because as a group, when somebody hires us, for example, we can we have enough material of having played years together that we can say, okay, let's play somebody is on a gig and they call, I don't know, um, trying to think of a tune, come rain or come shine, you know, and we've we've arranged some of this stuff oh we have certain hits we have certain kind of things included in arrangements that we can we call it arrangements to go uh <laughs> or arrangements are us where we can just kind of in the spot make an arrangement and that is great because it sounds like a like a rehearsed band even if the if it's the first time that we're playing with a certain musician that's a leader or something like that um so we have set each ourselves for success in that way in being able to really work in an efficient way without having to put hours and hours and hours of rehearsals uh, by creating not only repertoire, but creating uh, a vocabulary amongst us that helps us um, just play better, you know, as, as a group, whether we're back yeah. in or whether we're playing just the three of us. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Um, you touched on something there uh, 
regarding leadership. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say that leadership is situational. Um, and you said that somebody might be the leader on the business side of the gig. I might be the contact. I might send in the entertainment agreement we have. I might get all the information, but John might be the MD. Mm-hmm. Um, and John being the MD might delegate also. He might say, hey, I picked out this collection of songs, but Al, can you help me do some of the arrangements? And so, you know, or Mark, can you, you know, can you put together a playlist or something of the songs? And it has, you know, and I, the communication means, it doesn't mean that John doesn't, don't, doesn't want to do it. It just means he also has a life and he's saying, hey, I want you to be involved in this. And, or the three of us sometimes look at the list of songs and say, hey, you take those three, I'll take those two. You contact this person, you contact this person. And we're doing that right now for a gig that we're doing for the Clearwater Jazz Holiday, where each of us are communicating with specific people and getting the songs together. And uh, that way we have, we have a way that to, to communicate. The, the other question I have just, or what I can just say is the way we communicate is we keep documents. We have a personal chat that we keep. And what I will say is it's not perfect. <laughs> things get lost. Yes. Things are forgotten. Sometimes there are a million other conversations, audio or GIFs or something that gets in the way of the conversation. And so it's just being understanding with each other when, you know, I ask, hey, I can't find the address for tonight. Or did we send this? Did we agree on this time? And rather than just saying like, well, Mark, what, what happened? Why didn't you write it down? (laughs) <laughs> who knows life happened you know so being a being in a band is just saying and yes ten thousand times times ten thousand times yeah. and helping each other out again and, absolutely and, um, that's one thing to add uh, uh sorry john i was going to say no, no uh, to uh, bring in the whole um compromising and 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 really agreeing to uh, we've had i've been I'm I'm older by five years, four or five years than these two guys. Really, that's and it. Four. There's a whole lot that's more. Four, just four. I know. Uh, so you guys are catching up to me. Uh, but <laughs> I've always had a little bit of like uh, the older brother role. I I I I feel, I feel like I've been forty since I was sixteen. So. <laughs> Sometimes I can bring that to the bandstand and and get a little, you know, I cannot be the and and being from a culture, a Latin American culture, I can be, you know, I'm very open and very open to I'm all about communication, honest communication. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not the most therapeutic communication. And I've learned throughout the years to be much more therapeutic about it. And, and I, I use the term therapeutic. My wife is a, is a nurse and they always use that term. It's like you, the way you deal with a patient, somebody that's going through something bad, because mm-hmm. as musicians, that's part of something that happens. Sometimes we bring stuff in the, into the bandstand that we don't want to bring in, personal issues. So we might find ourselves in a situation where the gig is less than perfect and we're having trouble concentrating and all that stuff. So a lot of the times as I know as a sideman, I've dealt with 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 leaders that 
look at me and they're not putting up with it. You know, they hired me to do a job and they want me to do a good job, you know. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, I completely understand that part of it. But we try to make La Lucha as 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 a kind of as we try to keep each other. We also try to be very understanding of what it is and saying, OK, this is what we have to work with today. So it is very important, you know, talking about leadership to be able to say that you know, part of being a leader is that is to be able to say, hey, guys, let's let's regroup. Let's do this together. Let's do, you know, instead yeah, of, totally. Like, yeah. Like, why do you yeah, suck that, today? You know, <laughs> the communication thing is really important and uh, not just on the bandstand or not just about business stuff, but in general, I mean, look, we're human. The three of us, we have good days, we have bad days. And sometimes Mark is a robot from outer space, <laughs> but Alejandro and I are human. And, you know, there's are days where things just align against you. Like you're having a bad day and then maybe you don't play your best or maybe you forgot something that you were supposed to do. And, you know, by being by all of us being really patient with each other and very and and, um, you know, we there was a point in time when we were young where we needed tough love because we were just young and immature. And at this point, we're more like we just need to hold each other's hand and sing Kumbaya sometimes. Yeah. And well, you know what? It's also, it's also, yeah. it's not even just that some of us have those cloudy days, but you know, you, one of us used to not say when we we're having these cloudy days. And now one of us does walk in or text us before the gig. Hey, I'm running late and I'm just not having a good day. And so that's a cue for us to lift yeah. that person up. Yeah. When you know, Mark comes in, I'll make sure to hide his sticks from him or, or make sure that, you know, yeah. I will secretly it, take the clutch out of his bag and he'll be looking yeah. for it frantically for 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, we, we, we know how to make each other laugh. We know how to musically make each other sound really good. If I'm having yeah. a really off night, which, which happens, I'm just something that things are not happening. They know and but they also know how to make me sound and feel a whole lot better yeah rather than just like digging into that like you know picking the scab they they really do know how to make we how to make each other sound better yeah Plus, it's gone to the point where our our levels of playing are much more are much less variable they're much more consistent. And even mm -hmm. our bad night is not what it used to be where when we were students where a bad night meant like you were just really bad all over the place. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, horrible. I, so I, I do want to say something. I do want to say something to the um, this will probably be a comment from more of the high school and up uh, musicians listening. So if you are high school and up, uh, be away with all of that. I suck. Mm -hmm. We hear it too much. We used to say it. We used to say it as a band. Be done with it. You sound the way you sound, and that is awesome. And you, yeah. if you know that you think you sound like that, then you know what you need to do to be better. And to expand on that, it goes along with the whole idea of presenting what you are and who you are to the audience. The audience does not need to know you're having a bad night. So, yeah. you know, yeah. 
game phase on and and all of that you know and mm -hmm. you know one one comment that we usually get at gigs it's it's kind of a funny comment but a lot of people just come up to us and say like you guys look like you're having so much fun <laughs> and we're like we were cracking up at some point because one of us just like missed an a section or you know or we just like played a really sloppy line or something like that and sometimes we're just laughing because we're just having fun but we're having fun regardless because we we understand that you know we understand that that yeah. what the audience is 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 listening to is us is what we are creating as a unit not yes, yes, yes you may you may listen to one of us at certain points but um we had this this actually this really cool moment um a, a follower of of us went to see us play and we put, finished a song it was the last song of the set and she was like crying when we finished and she just said like you guys are just like so in tune with each other like i don't you know like you guys just feature each other perfectly you know and it's just such mm -hmm. a joy to see it like she was crying you know i thought she was crying because of my crappy bass solo but no <laughs> speaking of i suck uh no yes don't say that we say that as a as a joke but you know it's it you really need to be confident and that's the thing like you you don't know what people are feeling when they're watching you play you know you don't yeah. you, you it's it's you're putting your music and music's going through you and you don't know how people are getting it from a positive mm -hmm. and negative uh, point of view. But I think that is that is just part of being able to being able to be in tune with each other is extremely important. Uh, like we said, I think that what connects the whole tissue of being a band is you need to be able to communicate, lift each other up, you know, be in agreement about what it is that you want to do with your music um you know yeah. it, it's basically relationship goals this is a relationship this is this is this is it's complex like a relationship it's not black or white it's there's a lot of shades yeah. and and i think it's very important to keep that in mind where you're whether you're just starting with a band or whether you've been with a band for for a long time and you know yeah you know i i don't know why don't we yeah. do another question let's do another question mm -hmm um so, john you want to you want to you want to pick one yes um how who mark who <laughs> who is your audience who is our audience how do you figure that out oh and man how does, this and is... how does that uh affect how you market the band yeah the you know this is the conversation we've been having for 15 years is who is our audience? Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, it's a really interesting question because I think we always have our ideal audience, what we think it is, but then it never turns out to be what it is. And the audience has also changed over the years, depending on the project. Um, we did one specific project called See, Hear, Feel. Um, that was that in, that included a huge audience related to the scientific community. Um, we reached out to people that were related to um, Alzheimer's patients and caregivers to Alzheimer's patients, and that was an audience we had never reached before. We were working with the poet Gloria Munoz, and 
she brought a whole audience of people who loved poetry. And now a lot of those people follow us. Uh, we also uh, put out a bunch of different types of albums. Um, some of them more straight ahead, some of them more synth and pop rock oriented, and it's brought different audiences all over. Now I will say uh, that our audience can be physical, meaning our live shows and who shows up, who's able to pay for a ticket, um, who's in that city, what's the age group of the place that the demographic we are in, and then also who's just streaming our music and enjoying it. Um, we have two fans that we see maybe three times a year when we're playing regularly, and they love our first album. They, that's, that's their love. Their passion is our first album. They always ask for that music. We had to relearn to play a lot of it for them. And then there are people who are just discovering us now. And really, we had a holiday album, and we, it was like one of our most streamed albums. And some people really dig that. And so that audience is way different. Um, and how we're communicating to this audience is we're constantly testing what social platform works, if we are talking during a concert, if we're not talking. And so I will say that I think we've figured out who we are and who we who we are comfortably, but we're always learning about our audience and it's always changing. And we have a 2021 project coming out in like the late spring, early summer, and we're reaching an audience in a new way, which is going to be through video. Um, we have videos, but this is going to be a different way, different platform of putting out music. And so we're going to see what, how the audience changes. I don't know if you have any. I know we're running really short on time. Sorry, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. But, you know. You know, I, I think uh, we kind of talked a little bit about it and some of the some of the stuff that we mentioned as far as, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're always you do your thing and then the audience finds you as long as you're putting your material out there. Of course, you can yes. target certain a certain uh, amount of people, a certain uh, taste, a certain age group or whatever it is. But, you know, I think. It's kind of like what Mark said, you know, we're covering so much ground and we have so many different things that there are people that are fans of some of our projects, you know, and therefore fans of the band. And that's kind of the cool thing that you can kind of do something different. You know, we, uh, I was mentioning recently to somebody and uh, that it's funny how bands are kind of sometimes forced to have to once they to have to play like the same album that they they their same famous album from 20 years ago um and that's kind of a freedom that we have in jazz um and you know that that we don't have to that we can make it fresh we can i mean it's a it's an artistic decision you know you can decide yeah i know i'm guaranteed to please the audience if i do this but i'm probably gonna hate these songs by the time you know by the fourth time <laughs> i play it yeah so but so great, I, I wanted to 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 kind of uh, tie this with um, a, an artist who just recently passed away that uh, kind of left a message. Chick Corea, the great Chick Corea, who actually happened to live in Clearwater, and he 
left a message. He unfortunately passed away a few days ago of a rare form of cancer and um, it was a very unexpected. And we, we were talking about this because he left a nice statement um, before he died that I'll just read a little thing. So he said, I want to thank all of those along my journey who have helped me keep the music fires burning bright. It is my hope that those who have an inkling to play, write, perform, or otherwise do so. If not for yourself, then for the rest of us. It's not only that the world, that the world needs more artists, it's also just a lot of fun. And to my amazing musician friends who have been like family to me as long as I've known you, it has been a blessing and an honor learning from and playing with all of you. My mission has always been to bring the joy of creating anywhere I could and to have done so with all the artists that I admire so dearly. This has been the richness of my life. I think that sums up the mission that we have as musicians very well. Absolutely. You know? And, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a journey. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, we have an equation that we wrote down, uh, and we can kind of end on this as well. The, the, the La Lucia plus equation. One equals three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, taking chances plus opportunities plus discovery equals growth. And, you know, sharing is caring, but in La Lucha, sharing is daring. So uh, if you are someone that is starting a band or in a band already and really wants it to be an equal partnership, uh, you are more than welcome to reach out to us and ask us questions uh, on the conceptual, physical, uh, business side of being a band and we're happy to answer it um, because we've had fun and I'm excited to see where this band goes and grows from here. So thank you to everybody. Thank you to the Clearwater Jazz Education Outreach and Young Lions for hosting us again. And uh, we hope that everybody has an adventurous 2021. <laughs> thank you guys so much for an amazing session, How to Be a Band. So many great nuggets you guys dropped on us today. And um, we want to thank you again for all the research and just sharing your experience as a successful group. And we'll be looking for so much more from La Lucha here, not just in Tampa Bay, but internationally. So uh, make sure you check out their music on their website. Also, don't forget, we have future sessions coming up and you can always check us out at www.clearwaterjazz.com education. And I'm your guest host, Michael Cronodal, and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the next one. Please invite more people on the next one and tell all the great things you heard today and keep listening to the greatest music on the planet. Keep swinging. Thank you so much and have an awesome day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Thank you to our friends at Marine Max Clearwater for helping to present this podcast series. To learn more about the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Annual Festival tradition, other special events throughout the year, and our year-round education and outreach, please visit clearwaterjazz.com.